Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show brought to you by Bevo. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am nothing short of thrilled to welcome back to the show the incredible, funny, talented, amazing, and all-around good guy, Matt Barrows of The Athletic. Matt, welcome back. Um, you didn't say handsome. I'm sorry, handsome. Yay! You know <laughs> I just, I want to compliment people for things other than their looks, but... <laughs> no, that's I'm, all I care about. Exactly. I'm, I'm so a very, very shallow person. Very shallow. Yes. I should have added that in. Talented, amazing, shallow, <laughs> handsome Matt Barrows of The Athletic. Um, but of course, the most handsome Matt. Thank you. Tied, tied oh. for the most handsome Matt in the media workroom because I don't want to get I don't want to get in trouble. You did say most handsome, and then you sort of amended it. So I'm going to take that as a as a as a W. So okay, hopefully Mayoko isn't listening. He's not. But if he is, <laughs> rude. I actually think he might. But anyways, it doesn't matter. The point is, you're the best. Thank you yeah, so no. much, and thank you for having me back <laughs> on. And wow, what great timing! Mm-hmm. Um, we always have good timing with these because it's there's uh, always a really good show or episode that precedes this podcast. And usually on HBO, oddly enough, uh, we have discussed House of Dragon on this show yep. more than once. You and I, we've discussed. I mean, I think we've discussed a number of shows, but today we need to talk about. Episode three of Succession. We are in the final season. It's funny. The first episode, I was like, eh, okay. Second episode, I certainly like better. I think Sunday night's episode may be one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. I agree with you. And I think it was so good because we didn't think, no one expected it, uh, you know, to happen in, in episode three. No. What they did, are, are we allowed to reveal? Well, I think we can. I'm going to say right now, Spoiler, if you are a fan and you have not watched yet, just fast forward to the 49ers part of this episode and then come back and listen. So full warning, spoiler alert. Okay, here we go. Logan Roy dies in this episode. And it really, I mean, it really did come out of nowhere. And when Tom first calls the kids, there was a little part of me that was like, this guy isn't sick enough to like fake this, is he? Like, is this, that is like next level, but turns out it was real. I I had the same reaction. I mean, it was so garbled and it was so, um, and and we can get back to that because I think that was really a well done piece of it. But I thought that, you know, Tom was, it was uh, some shenanigans there. I mean, they're always Mm -hmm. trying to fool each other. There's so much dishonesty uh, in the show. It's basically a show about lies and and Mm -hmm. backstabbing and disloyalty. Um, that for the first, I don't know, 30 seconds, you're wondering, is this, is this real? Um, but the way that they did it, I I thought was really good. I mean, some of the commentary at the end, you know, they do the post-show commentary was about, this is, you know, sort of a modern life thing used to be Mm -hmm. that you lived with your loved ones and you were there when they died. And now we're all over the country and traveling and it's done over cell phone and the, the cell phone connections are horrible. And, um, that's all part of sort of the modern um, kind of death sequence. And so I thought that they did that really well. And then obviously, um, you know, each of the, the actors um, had to kind of summon 
um, you know, their their greatest acting skills in each of those kids mm-hmm. with with poor Connor coming in so late, so late. And that always just bothers me. It's like it's the three kids. And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, we, we ought to tell Connor <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on his wedding day, on his wedding day. And so, um, yeah, I just thought that the acting uh, of each of them was good. Um, Alan Rock, who plays Connor, I, I, I just think that he's sensational and he just did a a wonderful job with his reaction too. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. Updated odds from everything NBA playoffs right up to the championships. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. In, in, in the way they filmed it, and I know it was scripted, but it was filmed in a way that you almost felt like, was it not? You know, in a way, did they say to them, we're going to just have you give your natural reactions. And I'm sure that's not what it was like, but that's how good it was that it really felt so raw and so real. And it's in a lot of ways, kind of a, a worst nightmare scenario too, in that there's a point in the show where they say to the kids, since you guys were estranged and they say we were not estranged, but they were estranged. And it's, I, I thought it was interesting that they started this final season with Logan's birthday. Because the show began with Logan's birthday. The very first episode of the first season was Logan's birthday in which he was supposed to hand the reins over to his, to Kendall Roy. And then that isn't what happened and it was all kinds of things. So they start this season on Logan's birthday and the kids aren't there. Connor is there, but the other three kids are not at his birthday. And it's like the worst nightmare a little bit idea of like, well, we'll be at the next birthday, you know, and and then what happens and they, and they were estranged and they were fighting. And the last time they saw him was not pleasant. <laughs> it was the last episode. And then it was them saying goodbye to him in his ear where he was already gone. And that brings up so much stuff. And I just thought they, the actors all handled that so well, because you could feel that raw emotion and Roman not accepting that he was dead kept saying, well, we don't know. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he's dead. And that was, that was really heartbreaking. Yeah. Roman was, was basically us. Not quite. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who was larger than life. Not quite buying that this guy, this Titan had, uh, had, had passed on. And I'm glad you brought up house of dragon, which obviously is related to game of Thrones and game of Thrones made its bones by killing off all of the, mm-hmm. the major characters. And this is, this is, like I said, episode three of the final season, um, and and the epicenter of the show is now gone. He's the antagonist. Uh, so that's gonna. I mean, to me, it's exciting because it uh, uh, it makes me wonder. You know, because it started. You know, a critique of the show is that it started to get repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all this kind of internecine squabbling, family squabbling, and backstabbing, and. Uh, they do it really well, but you know, th- this is the third season of them doing it. So this is going to, um, you know, uh, introduce a, a brand new dynamic. I think 
um, that Swedish character, and I can't remember the actor's name, but he's in Alexander Skarsgård. Okay. Skarsgård. Yeah. Oh. Fan. I uh, guess we have a fan, fan. here. Uh, do you have a big fan? He was on True Blood, which yes. also an HBO show. The first first two seasons of which were just spectacular. He was incredible, and he won my heart, and will have it forevermore. So, well, uh, I think. I mean, I don't know this. I haven't read this, but my intuition is that he's gonna he's gonna sort of take the role as the alpha baddie mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. this one, and it'll be up to the kids to negotiate that. And Roman has a uh, somewhat of a relationship with this guy. So I think that's going to be uh, explored over the next, uh, what is it, five more episodes? Seven. I think Ooh. it's 10 episodes. It's a tenor. It's looked- a tenor. Okay, nice. It's a tenor. I looked it up last night because I was like, wait, are they real? Because then I thought, okay, if he's dead in, in episode three, it's got to be an eight episode season. But no, it is 10 episodes. So it's going to be interesting to see what it's like without him, too, because also he's an incredible actor and he does bring so much the show but essentially what i think is going to be interesting to see over these next several episodes is the kids are going to have to grow up you know is that he that line he said to them in episode two you are not serious people and i think one of the things that kind of bothered me as a viewer a lot in episodes one and two is they're so flippant and kind of glib with this money just to stick it to him but it's also his money (laughs) like they're essentially you know outbidding him with what is his money so to speak. I mean, if you really like boil it down. So I think with him gone, they're going to be forced to grow up in a way they never have been before. And it will be interesting to see how that plays out. Can we talk about what I felt? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a drama. It's a lot of things. It's, it's also a a dark comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's always funny lines, but the, the scene on the plane with Tom after Carrie. after Carrie comes through and she's obviously freaked out about the whole thing, <laughs> I haven't laughed at a at a TV show like that in a long time. Tom says she reacted like she caught a, a foul ball at Yankee Stadium, which I thought was just the greatest line. But it's so funny. He's played by Matthew Mc, McFadden, and um, he's. Uh, what is he? I don't even know. Welsh or, or something. Maybe, yeah, I think so. Um, something, something in that realm. But he pronounces it foul ball. Uh, uh-huh. Somebody who obviously isn't familiar with, with baseball. We, we pronounce it foul ball. It's like both, right. both words are em- emphasized equally. So, but I think the delivery was so good that the, that the produce, the director just like, oh, let's just go with it. Even though he didn't quite yeah. nail foul ball uh, correctly, but oh my gosh, I was just laughing my ass off. And it was such a, you know, this guy just died on the, on the, on the plane and the kids were uh, distraught and it was a very uh, difficult scene, but <laughs> it just kind of shows you that these people are just, assholes uh and um they're always out for themselves and always out looking to undermine each other and that's exactly what tom is doing at that at that moment absolutely and carrie is freaking out because she's been sleeping with this man yeah and for this man is is trying to become an anchor because of her relationship with Uh him and she's terrible at it (laughs) and then i like i liked who was it that called her chuckles the clown um, yeah, <laughs> it, like was, uh, it was not Frank. It was uh, the other uh, Carl. Carl, right? Carl. Yeah, chuckles the cloud. The, I will say a moment that I saw other people talk about on Twitter. I literally might cry while I talk about it. A moment that really got me was Colin, the who Logan yes. referred to as his best pal yeah. in episode one. 
And it's such a short moment where you see him looking at the plane and he's distraught and upset. He's lost his boss. He's lost his friend. And and it's interesting because a couple episodes ago when he said to him, you're my best pal, you know, they put everything in there for a reason. And this is definitely why that was in there. And that really broke my heart because it's the Collins of the world. I hate to say this, but when this kind of thing happens, he will be forgotten. No one's going to take care of Colin. I mean, maybe he's still going to drive one of the kids, but it won't be the relationship he had with Logan. And he may just lose his job altogether. And then that's that. And and that's, I think, really hard is they're all looking out for themselves. And as, as raw as the kids' emotions were, you know, Kendall made a good point, And it's the reality of the situation. How we handle these next 30 minutes is going to affect the company for years to come. And that's stuff they have to think about. And there's all this extra stuff. And on Colin's end, like this was his, he doesn't have a job and he doesn't have his best pal. And that just broke my heart. Yeah. It's a show about disloyalty and the only character who's really, you know, uh, staunchly loyal from season one through now has been Colin. (laughs) Everyone else is, everyone else is out for themselves constantly. Um, why husbands, wives, everybody except for for Colin and he just gets that little brief but it was absolutely poignant um mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh that and was that's the part that made me cry yeah the, I was a little like teary through the episode but I that was the part I just like I I mean I might start crying now I just lost it I was like that just broke my heart that was that was sad um so there was that we'll have a uh we'll have a toast for Colin tonight we will we will to colin we have a toast to colin uh but great great episode the other line that of course was a poignant line was when tom is talking to greg telling him what to do and says and he says something i can't remember what it was but he says something pretty terrible and greg says my god are you okay and he says i am i don't i'm, I'm not i'm sad um blah 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 it's important that people know i was with him like basically, don't tell anybody, but it's important people know that I was with them, and here it starts. Here well, yeah, everybody's everybody's um, gunning to get their name either mm-hmm. on the press release that they're preparing, or mm-hmm. somehow in the narrative, like I was there when he died. I mean, that's what it's that's what it's about. I mean, this guy's body isn't even cold, and they're kind of going over exactly that. I mean, how do we get our names at the top of this page? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, it's, it's awful. It's, uh, and is, it's in keeping with this, this television show. So here we're going to do this and then I'm going to have you back on the show after the finale. All right. Who's your guess? Who comes out on top now? I mean, I, I, um, I, I just forgot his name. The, the, the second oldest son. Uh, Kendall. Kendall. Mm-hmm. Um, Kendall is my favorite character because he has this this range of uh, mm-hmm. you know he can he can go from cold and I just remember the one of the funniest scenes is he's getting ready for a board meeting and in season one and he's listening to you know rap music like he's mm-hmm. like one of these these wall street douchebags who, you know, mm-hmm. think that that rap music is about him and he's going to channel his, uh, his inner street in order to get ready for this big board meeting. Uh, so he's awful in so many ways, but I, I do think that he does have a soul 
uh, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more than the other kids do. And he's been he's been kicked around so much too. Uh, mm-hmm. They all have, they all have, uh, for sure. But uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I always thought that the show was about him and his dad um, mm-hmm. at its root, and that's who I think will kind of come out on top. But you know, the Game of Thrones, uh, you know, we, we would have never have guessed how that ended and who was on top. Uh, Brandon, Brandon, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, yes. Um, Brand, Brand, uh, Brand. It's just Brand. Oh, Brand. Brand. Start. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. Uh, who who knows how they're going to end up? I'm, I'm very, um, the best part of this podcast so far has been you telling me that there are 10 episodes this year. So, uh, I'm not wrong about that. I'm 99% sure I'm right. (laughs) So, but my point is that there's, there's a lot uh, more to come on this one. So, uh, they'll, they'll, uh, they've got their work cut out for them. I agree with you. I do think it'll be Kendall because I do think they're kind of full circling this whole thing, but of course we'll see. But I also thought another line that was so interesting to me and a little bit heartbreaking was when they're talking to their dad in his ear and he may already be gone. And Kendall says to him, I love you. I can't forgive you, but I do love you. And I thought, oh, that's like, because in that moment, like he really can't forgive him. And he's, Logan has done some terrible things to him. So I, I don't blame him for not being able to forgive him, but thought that was another interesting line, but I'm uh, excited, excited to see where this goes and seven more episodes. Yeah. So I'll definitely have to have you back on after the finale. Yeah. We're talking like June, I think it was, it's going to yeah. be, it's going to be a while. We're going to have been through a draft, rookie mini camp, yeah. OTAs. I mean, we got, we got some time. Yeah. So right. Right. Lots, lots discussed. So I guess with that in mind, we'll, pivot to the San Francisco 49ers because that is a team that you and I both cover. I was thinking of trying to do like a whole, like we did with house of dragon, like cast people as succession, but I've decided not to do that for a variety of reasons. Not the least of which everybody on succession, there's like, they just have like no redeemable qualities. And I just think it's going to go so terribly wrong that it's not a good idea. No, we can't, we can't compare anyone to any character on succession. That would be, that would be an an insult. Except for Colin. Yeah. The loyal guy. Yeah. But, uh, that would be, yes, it'd be quite the insult, but as you may or may not have heard Matt Barrows, but I'm pretty sure you have heard judging on your content. There is a draft coming up in a few Yes. Two weeks from Thursday, in fact, which the thing with the draft that always gets me is I feel like we spend so much time talking about it and it feels so far away. And then it's here. So two weeks from Thursday is the draft. Two weeks from today, we will be having our meeting with John Lynch that we have every Monday before the draft. It's all coming up fast. So let's let's dive into that, if you will. Uh, first of all, the well. First of all, I would just like to put out there what you guys all know that I just want the Florida Niners to draft as many Michigan players as possible. And I feel like there's a potential for two. So we'll get to that. But that's basically my goal. This is why I'm not a GM. Because it'd be like, Tracy, where, what do you think we should do? I'd be like, well, I mean, what Michigan players are left on the board is basically how I would make all my decisions. This is why I'm not a GM. But we're going to get to that because one of them is a tight end that I think could end up being very good on this team. But first, on Wednesday of this week is the 49ers local pro day. And as you have so brilliantly pointed out in 
a story you wrote. There's actually a lot of talent in this one, not necessarily always the case, but this year, quite a bit of talent. So let's talk through a couple of the people that you're excited about and that you think could be good fits in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, um, for the last, I I don't know how many, this event got canceled a couple of years ago. In the last, I'd say, half dozen have just been duds as far as who shows up. Mm -hmm. And and usually the, the top players might show up. I mean, anybody who thinks he's going to get drafted in the first or second day will show up, but but not work out at, th- at this point. So that's mm-hmm. part of the reason. But this there's at least uh, 10, probably 12 guys who are at least eligible who could be there on Wednesday who ought to get drafted. And that's that's way better than, than normal. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and as far as uh, positions that the 49ers could – could use um, a couple stand out. There, there are three cornerbacks. I know that um, you're not the USC uh, fan, but there's one. Yes. Makai uh, Blackman will be there. Um, a couple of other guys. These are all guys who could go on, I don't know, uh, round three or round four or round five. So just when the 49ers have their clump of picks. Um, Daniel Scott, who played at Cal, is interesting. Uh, he's probably a day three pick too. Um, but the 49ers have their, their safety position um, pretty much sewn up to Sean Gibson at one spot, Talano Hufanga at the other. Gibson, however, is in his thirties. He's only signed for one season. I think the 49ers need to think about who's the next to Sean Gibson. Um, and when you're thinking about that, you need to think about how does, how does this player um, work with Talano Hufanga. How does he complement Talano Hufanga? And I think Daniel Scott has a lot of that, the same qualities that Gibson has. Um, good uh, kind of center fielder type, um, smart. Um, I just think that that combination might be something that intrigues the 49ers. And the other guy I really like is uh, Junior Fajoko at uh, San Jose State. San Jose State doesn't always have a lot of draftable guys. Uh, Fahoko, just one of these high energy. I mean, he seems like he's a kindred spirit of Chris Kasurik's. Like you put mm-hmm. him on that line, Kasurik will find a spot for him. The guy just plays all out, all effort, all the time. Makes a lot of plays in the backfield. Uh, so uh, that would he might be a fifth round pick too. And I think the 49ers have five fifth round picks there. They always do well in the, in the fifth round. So these are all fifth round local guys that I think could kind of continue that tradition of success in that round. And you brought up corner, uh, which was on my list of things to talk about. So let's, let's hit on that real quick. Uh, It obviously Charvarius Ward starter on one side, Diamador Lenore on the other. I would actually even venture to say, this is not my job. And no one's asked my opinion, but I'm going to tell it to you. I would venture to say that Diamond Lenora really doesn't have to compete for that spot. Doesn't mean they won't bring in competition, but I don't know that he has to compete for that starting spot. He probably showed them enough last year that he at least can begin the season as the other starting corner. They let Emmanuel mostly go in free agency, but corner, per usual, is a place where the 49ers do have to take a look in the draft. They need some, they need some bodies there and they need some good bodies. And it's kind of interesting last year. It felt like for the first time that quarterback room was very robust and was as strong as it's been. But then when you kind of peeled away the layers, they had people, but they didn't necessarily have 
really good people. I mean, this is not a indictment on them as humans, but in terms of their ability at cornerback. And so Emmanuel Mosley goes down in week five, Diamador Lenore comes in and does do, he, he does a nice job. It's up and down. I think got better as, as time went on. You and I have talked about this podcast before some really incredible catches against him that also maybe are just bad luck. And one of them with Devonte Adams that Diamador Lenore swears really was not a catch, but nonetheless, they need to shore up that room and they do need to put some competition in there because certainly in a second year, Ambry Thomas did not pan out the way they thought he would. He's, you know, going into his third year, I imagine he comes to camp with a potential to prove that he should still have a spot on this team. But corner is again, a place where they got to get themselves some depth and some depth with talent. And the draft is probably going to be where they do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the spots where they've really run into issues uh, in the last couple of years, quarterback, obviously, uh, yes. running back, uh, back in 2021 and then in cornerback that's that same season, they got real low on cornerbacks very quickly. And, mm-hmm. um, it did cost them quite a bit. I mean, that was the year that, uh, they had all the, the past interference penalties. Um, um, luckily they got a hold of that last, uh, you know, in 2022, it's interesting because Steve Wilkes, the new defensive coordinator, his expertise is, mm-hmm in the secondary it's at, it's at mm-hmm. cornerback. Uh, so he obviously has a, uh, a good eye for that position. Um, he's probably going to want to bring in some guys, uh, that he likes and he's done so already in free agency. And I think that's kind of helped the, uh, the depth, but I agree with you. Um, uh, at least one other quality guy needs to come in. And I think there are, I mean, that that's, that's sort of what the, day three is i mean the bulk of the 49ers picks are on day three um like i said uh there are three really good guys coming in for this pro day all of whom play the style that uh the 49ers like and i i I put them in order um in that story about the the local talent um dane bruler who just did our our big um you know draft piece for the athletic he calls it the beast he didn't have them in the same order um, so it's sort of a, a beauty in the eye of the beholder thing there. I just think that the way the 49ers play defense and what they've liked, uh, you know, in, in the past, you know, bigger press coverage type of, of corners, I would rank them the way that I do. Um, and, um, you know, each of those guys could easily, easily either go with one of those, um, those, those last, uh, third round picks that the 49ers have, or maybe early in day three. So, and, and there are other guys. Uh, Virginia has a good guy, Anthony Johnson, um, press cornerback. Uh, Alabama has a guy named Ricks, who's sort of the same mold. Looking for press, uh, physical press cornerbacks who can tackle. That's basically <laughs> what the 49ers' MO has been. And uh, like I said, there, there's a few of them on day three. So it's funny when you say beauty is in the eye of the beholder there. I mean, I look at the entire draft that way. The draft in so many ways, it's everyone making their best guess with the best information they have at the time. And obviously all the research that goes into it, but there's just no guarantees that once a person steps into an NFL field, what's going to happen. And that's why, and, and that's why it somewhat doesn't surprise me that the 49ers do so well in these later picks, because I think those are the guys that end up being the surprises. Those guys who get drafted in the top 10, it, it, it's 
a lot of them don't work out because there's been so much pressure and so much hype and for whatever reason doesn't work out. It's those later guys that I do think do tend to be the surprises. There's my deep thought of the day. Well, I mean, um, this is, uh, uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been together now since 2017. That's a, Mm -hmm. for the NFL, that's an eternity. Uh, think of how many either head coaches or GMs have turned over since then. It's actually mm-hmm. a very good question. I don't know off the top of my head any duo, any front office and coaching staff that, or at least head coach that's, that's uh, stayed intact for that amount of time. I guess the Seahawks have. Um, mm-hmm. So my point is that um, the front office now knows exactly what they're looking for mm-hmm. um, and, and what's going to work. So I think that's uh, that's a really big advantage, and I, and I think that they've gotten more and more successful in kind of finding those, especially those day three guys, uh, over time. Because, um, like I said, there's a there's a real familiarity now between front office and coaching staff. So this is a very tight end heavy draft. Yeah, uh, it's a big George Kittle somewhere just celebrated. He didn't even know why, but he got very excited about it. This very tight end heavy draft, and this could be the draft for the 49ers bring in a true tight end to to compliment George Kittle. My question, as you know, to you before we started was, is this the year they do it? And of course, why is it Luke Schoonmaker from the University of Michigan? Uh, but I, in all seriousness, I do think he is a good fit on this team, and I think he will fall into a place where they can get him. I also feel that way about the kicker, Jake Moody but maybe that's a topic for another day. Well, I think Schoonmaker is an easy guy for them to evaluate because mm-hmm. he did all the stuff that the 49ers would, would ask him to do because it's such a, a, a run heavy, you know, uh, um, block heavy for mm-hmm. the tight ends. And, and there's, a, there's a handful of guys like that. Most of them are coming out of the Big Ten. Um, Payne Durham from Purdue does that. Uh, Brenton Strange from Penn State does that. Uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa obviously does that. He's probably the best of that group. Um, there's another guy from South Dakota, Tucker Kraft, who's in that mix. Um, most people think Laporta is going to be gone and Tucker Kraft is going to be gone. Schoonmaker may be gone. I don't think the 49ers would trade up to get him. Um, and so Clearly they haven't asked my opinion then, because if it were up to me, they would trade up. Together. Yeah. I don't think he's <laughs> quite special enough to, to trade oh, up for. He went to the university of Michigan. Yeah, I know. I know. He, um, that wasn't nice. He's, uh, one, one of the knocks on him is that he's like 42 years old. He's not quite that old, but he's going to be 25 pretty soon, which is, oh, old, which is old for a rookie. Um, like Tano Hufanga, for example, is still 22. Uh, Trey Lance is still 22. So this guy's going to be walking around with a, with a cane, uh, as a rookie. Oh, I think we're being a little, <laughs> a little dramatic. I will have, you know, that Mitch, McNa- what is it? Mitch Wisnowski 25 is a rookie. Yeah. He's a punter. He plays like, not, he, not plays like he plays six snaps a game. You are bringing up things that are not relevant. I'm talking about age. Mitch Wisnowski was 25 as a rookie. That was an unkind thing that you said. And I think I'm just saying that I don't think that he's trade upable. I mean, I think if he's sitting there and the 49ers are on the clock at pick a hundred, he'd be a, uh, a very interesting pick. I like other guys more than Schoonmaker. I I hate to tell you. Yeah. Well, that was rude. 
but okay. <laughs> well, you know how, how we watch George Kittle and he, he takes like 19 guys down the field with him? Yes. Spoonmaker doesn't do that. It's like a little stiff breeze and he, uh, he falls over. <laughs> well, you don't need two guys like that. You already have George Kittle doing it. Okay. Well, uh, this, this is the idea of, of drafting a tight end. It's A, you, it helps with two tight end sets. B, yes. gives George Kittle a little bit of a break. I mean, George Kittle plays 99% of the yeah. offensive snaps. He plays a lot. So it might might allow George Kittle to get a little bit more rest. And then, you know, George Kittle is not going to play forever. So the idea would be that this guy comes in and then maybe in a second contract is George Kittle, takes over the, the main role uh, from George Kittle. So you got yeah, a, lot of, a lot of balls and a lot of things to uh, think about with this tight end pick. Uh, it's not just where did the guy go to school. Well, uh, that's a lot of things for you to think about. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it is where did this guy go to school? I, I, I think that your kicker stands a better chance. Um, and and uh, Michigan also has a tackle, and his name is just yes, they do. Just escaping me right now, but he's working or has worked with Joe Staley. He's one of Ch- Joe Staley's crew in Southern mm-hmm. California, and that always kind of tells you, aha, this could be uh, a good fit for the 49ers. That guy might be a late day three pick, but um, might be worthwhile at that point. Well, you know, I do in rookie mini camp, I do five fun facts with all of the rookies. And if I have one to two Michigan players during rookie, it will be like my Christmas. It will be Christmas in May for me. I think Schoonmaker's um, interesting. He's from uh, Connecticut. That's interesting in itself because not, not very many NFL players are from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got sisters and a brother, very big sports fam- family. So uh, I think um, you would have a, a lot of material to work with. And I think Jake Booty would be a good five fun facts, too. Well, yeah, we could talk about his mustache a little bit. Uh huh. What, what, what do we think of his mustache? Well, I think it's just it's, it, it adds to the whole thing. It's him. It'd be, I almost think it'd be weird now if he didn't have the mustache. Like, if he shows up for his five fun facts without the mustache, I might draw one in. Like, this is not what I was. I get, like, my Sharpie. I'm like, hold on. Gotta, <laughs> we can give him, we can give him, like, a Raleigh Fingers mustache, too, a little handlebar Like there. that commercial with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so there's that. All right, so we have a lot of exciting things in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, excited to see how this all plays out. 49ers have their first pick at 99. Oh, I do remember one other thing that I wanted to ask you. I will take us back a year. Uh, there was all sorts of Debo Samuel drama going on at that time. Uh, the 49ers favorite wide back had requested a trade. There was, there were the, you know, the, the noise, the little milling about, I don't want to say rumors almost feels like a strong word, but you know, things milling about like maybe perhaps they would trade him to the jets, you know, get into the top 10 cause they didn't have a first round last year. They don't this year. Um, the chances of that were so slim, like so, so, so slim. And it of course didn't happen this year. This is not about Debo at all, but this year do you foresee anything crazy happening that gets them back into the first round. I mean, that, that would require, I think, trading a big piece. Well, obviously it would. Um, yeah. You know, people are like, well, you know, now that the 49ers are so high on Brock Purdy, do they trade Trey Lance? I mean, 
I, I guess they're that's not getting a one for Trey Lance right now. No, they're not getting a one for Trey Lance. And and two, Brock Purdy's hurt. You don't know if he's yeah. going to be available for the start of the season. And three, the 49ers need all the depth that they can get at quarterback. So um, right. I don't see that happening unless somebody, you know, made a, a surprise offer and just and made an offer that the 49ers can't refuse. So I don't think that happens. Um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that they, I mean, they could always use extra salary cap space, but the way that these um, contracts are written is that they they would get uh, hit with a big cap hit, even if they traded some of these guys, Mm -hmm. um, some of their highest paid players. So it just doesn't, just doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense for a team that, thinks that it can win a Super Bowl this year. Why why trade a Kittle or a Debo Samuel or anyone else who's making a uh, a lot of money on this team? Um, I mean, do you not want to talk about Jake Moody anymore? I, I'd actually like to ask you because... Oh, I will talk about Jake Moody forever and ever. Well, I just didn't here, want to like overdo it. Here's the <laughs> question. Here's the question with him. Um, so no... Uh, n- no team has used a high draft pick on a kicker since uh, the Buccaneers took Roberto Aguayo in the second round in 2016, because Aguayo yeah. was, was terrible. He only mm-hmm. lasted a year. And so the question is um, whether the 49ers would use one of those three third round picks. I mean, mm-hmm. they could call them sort of bonus picks at this point on Moody because Moody has it. Moody has like that, certain something that Robbie gold has like mm-hmm. crunch time. You, you just feel like this guy is going to make it. Um, he does always. And I mean, is that, is that how the, the Michigan fans felt about Moody towards the end? It's like, just give this guy a chance in a close game. And we are certain that he's going to make this kick. Absolutely. And anecdotally, I will take you back because you were there in Colorado Springs on a Saturday in November when Michigan was in a very tight game against Illinois. It's the game in which Blake Corum got injured. Heart breaks on that one. But we were sitting in that workroom watching it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And you guys went out to practice and I said, I'll just meet you out there. Um, Finally, I had to go out and and Emma Steinberg works with the 49ers. Bless her heart. was very sweet. She was in there to keep watching and text me. But I felt that whole game because it was tied, I believe 16 all at the end there, just get them in field goal range. Moody will handle it. He will. It was bad weather, right? And it was bad weather, but he will not miss this kick. And he did not. And I do think that he does have it. And it was interesting at the owners meetings. um, Someone asked John Lynch. I can't remember right at this moment who did, but it may have been branch, but asked John Lynch, you know, was Was it a really long um, question that, we weren't sure where it was going. It actually was relatively quick, but I think it wasn't branch. It wasn't branch. No, I think it was branch because it was <laughs> quick. And we were like, wow, that was such a quick branch. <laughs> so I have to think that it was Aaron branch. Uh, and he asked if Zane Gonzalez was the move at kicker. And John Lynch said, well, he was, he's a move, which I want you to know in this room of like six of us and John Lynch and Corey, it took all my strength not to be like, Yes. <laughs> but I, I kept it together like an adult and a professional. Um, but he said it's a move. And the thing is, like, they need that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, think about all the moments that 
Robbie Gold, I mean, obviously good as gold, the whole thing, like he was it. And for the most part, you knew if you put him out there, he was going to get the job done. And I don't know that you want to, they don't want to pay him now to do it, but I don't think you want to lose that piece, especially with going back to, you have a quarterback coming back. Who's hurt. You have another quarterback coming back. Who was hurt. You have Sam Darnold. Maybe like, I, I just think you want a, a kicker that you can really trust who can be the difference if things aren't going great. I mean, maybe not things aren't going great, but you know what I'm saying? Like they need that, that last minute kick. They're not scoring a ton of points, whatever it may be. You, you need that guy. Well, I mean, um, if, if he does have that, I mean, it's ideal because he makes, he would make a fraction of what Robbie gold makes, mm-hmm. um, and would handle kickoffs too. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a big deal for the 49ers because uh, Mitch Wisnowski is not good at that. Uh, and it, it affects his punting as well. So um, that's what the 49ers have to answer, whether this guy is worth a third round pick because Tracy, a third round pick would open up the 49ers to a lot of criticism and would put a lot of pressure on Jake Moody. Oh, he'll be fine. Okay. He All right. I mean, I think he that's, I mean, that, uh, that, that makes it interesting. I mean, I, I feel like that is absolutely a scenario that's in play right now because well, the 49ers have- could say, yes, yes. Third round pick is, is high for a kicker, but you know, it's really almost a fourth round pick and it's sort of like a bonus pick mm-hmm. and this, that they would have a lot of um, kind of rationale for making it there. Now, obviously it would hinge on Moody um, doing well uh, during the season. And that, that that's rare for a rookie kicker to come in and just be good right away. Last year, the Browns took Cade York in the middle of the fourth round, which was high, mm-hmm. higher than recent years. And he wasn't very good as a rookie. Uh, so. Well, he wasn't, he wasn't Jake Moody. So we could. Yeah. I can't, there. can't remember where Cade played in college, but um, yeah, but rookie kickers, it's sort of different than the rest of the positions. These guys get better at age 30 where every other position gets worse at age 30. Jake Moody actually may also be a little older. Yeah, let's look that up. That mustache, let's, let's, that mustache suggests uh, an older man. Also, I have another reason. Okay, he's 23, so he's not that old. Yeah, but that's about right. right. That's, that's about really what you anything. expect for a rookie. Yeah. Um, he also had the distinct pleasure of playing for one Jim Harbaugh, and as is lore, he's maybe not the easiest person in the planet on the planet to deal with. Jim? Yeah, huh. Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Maybe not like the most. Well, he's a doll. <laughs> I mean, I he's a peach. Love him, <laughs> and my love for him knows no bounds and no ends. And I literally love him. So I come to you with that as the Michigan fan. Just loves him. Uh, love him a lot more than I did before the 2021 Ohio State game. But and it's just it all came rushing back. But I would think maybe perhaps playing for such a personality and temperament also kind of prepares you, especially as a kicker for the NFL. So I'm going to go with that. Well, I mean, um, kicking in Ann Arbor and you go to Illinois and you go to Columbus, also six for six against Ohio state. Don't want to make a big, yeah. Deal I mean, I mean, uh, that's, that's a big, I mean, I feel like a big 10 kicker, it's different than an sec kicker and you're kicking in mm-hmm. or 
adverse conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what the, for, that's what Robbie Gold's, uh, um, you know, big advantage was that you could take him to Green Bay in January and mm-hmm. feel confident that he was going to make that kick at the end of the game. So uh, I think that's a huge deal. It probably gives him a leg up on, um, <laughs> a lot of other ones, although the, the guy who's right behind him, Chad Ryland, kicked at Eastern Michigan. And I think Eastern Michigan might have even worse, worse weather than, uh, than Ann Arbor. Isn't Ann Arbor uh, like in the cushy south of Michigan where it's like all balmy and warm all the time? Uh, balmy and warm, I think, is a, those are strong, strong. It, they call it they call it the South Florida of Michigan, basically. I don't know that that's yeah, story. yeah. I don't think the, that the Riviera of Michigan. I, that's what that's what I I've heard. I've heard that nobody nobody says that, and also nobody wants Eastern Michigan guy. I mean, maybe somebody does, but not the Forty Niners. The Forty Niners want Jake Moody. What town is Eastern Michigan in? Uh, it is in Ypsilanti. No, Eastern. Hold on, I think it's in Ypsilanti, but I may be making that up. And Lansing's where, up there, right? Where? No, Ipsen is really close to Michigan, so that's why I beat Ann Arbor, so I oh, feel okay. like it can't be. It, no, I was right. Look at me knowing my Michigan knowledge. It's in Ypsilanti. It's actually, it is actually very close to the University of Michigan. I forgot oh, that. Okay. It actually is right. But it is in Ypsilanti, so look at me with my good old Michigan knowledge. Boom. So actually, the conditions aren't all that different. In fact, there were people who I went to college with in Ann Arbor that lived in Ypsilanti. That's how close it was. Oh, okay. So, there's that. So, you've got two Michigan guys. Yay! Woo! Go <laughs> Best draft, best podcast ever. And if anybody says, what about Ambry Thomas? I'm going to choose to ignore those comments. So, don't at them at me because <laughs> I won't respond. And also, big year coming up for our guy, Ambry Thomas. Go Blue! They need him. They do. They need him. So, let's see, see if he... Turns this thing around. Still very young, very early in his career. So this basically became a Michigan podcast and nothing makes me happier. Thank you for joining. Yeah, great. It's a good thing I didn't have Chris Peter in here. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to be joining Team Beads pretty soon. There's a lot of uh, Michigan honking going on between you and Josh. You can't. No, I'm sorry, but you can't join Team Beads. Otherwise, I can't have you back for the succession finale. That's well, true. We'll have you and, I could have you and Beads on for the finale because he also watches. So I'm not going on with beats. Okay. (laughs) I'm just just saying that right now. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) the gauntlet has been thrown. All right, barrels. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Like not your address, but just where they can find you online. Um, at Matt Barrows got a lot of uh, great stuff coming up. Oh, um, here's one that you, you would find interesting. I spoke with uh, Vernon Davis recently. Mm -hmm. Not a Mich- Michigan guy, but played in the Big Ten. Well, I guess it was the ACC back then. Um, also, my first one-on-one interview ever was with Vernon Davis. Um, he was in. He is is in a film with Morgan Freeman that's out right now, mm-hmm. and his uh, acting career has just taken off. Um, and so yeah. the story is about uh, the very kind of interesting process he had to do to play uh, this role. He's a serial killer in this Morgan Freeman. So he had to get really dark, obviously. Um, and, uh, it, it, um, it's interesting where he went to really kind of, uh, figure out how to play this, this role. Okay. We will look out for that. You guys, you can find us on Instagram at fangirl sports network. You can find me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler on Twitter at 49ers fangirl. 
We are brought to you by Bet Online. We are brought to you by Fivo. And I think that's everything I've got. Oh, don't forget to give us a five-star rating and an awesome review. And with that, I'll talk to everybody later this week. Bye, all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.